This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Sunday, welcome to the kit room as usual on Leicester Fan TV. Uh, So I'm James, Neil's here as well. Hi James, you're right. Yeah, not bad. Uh, today we're going to review the Man City game, so let's get to it. So Neil, Man City lost 1-0. What are your views on the game? Uh, do you know what? I'm actually really, I won't say happy that we lost, but it was a great result for us. Um performance-wise. Result, never mind. We should have got at least something out of the game. At least a point. We could have nicked a win if Vardy would have slipped that goal in. Um, uh, but overall, if we put, let's put it in context. The, the last time we played Man City at their ground, we lost 3-1. We had a much stronger squad. We were playing a different formation. If you compare that performance to this performance, they're, they're two worlds apart. We actually came to Man City. Yes, we did sit back. As we'll get to later, the statistics aren't as good um, for example, with the possession. But overall, I think we had a brilliant, brilliant game. Uh, it was so unlucky. And it just it was a couple of moments where we ran out of steam and that Man City just absolutely steamed us. But overall, we're in the game. And it's important to think that they are way ahead of us in terms of player quality, in terms of world... I was thinking, said, well, how many world-class players do they have? And you could you could just literally every person in that squad is a world class player, and it's it's phenomenal to see. And bearing in mind like Gundogan that's come off the bench in replace of um, Silva, that's really done really well. And you're just thinking against this, and we're still little old Leicester, and we still kept up with them. I thought I thought we did really really well. And I know you, just just to let you off now because I know you want to go on a massive VAR rant. So the floor is yours, James. Have a go. Um. Yes, this game, we're going to have to talk about VAR at some point. So let's get this out of the way and then we'll talk about the players and the game itself. So VAR for me, I know I've seen all over social media how we got done by VAR yesterday. So I'm going to say my bit on it. It might be a bit of a rant, but I'm going to say it. So VAR stands for Video Assistant Refereeing. Why the hell is someone in Stokely Park making decisions? The ref is the only person on that pitch that makes decisions. He's got a video assistant now, as well as his two linesman assistants. So what if a linesman wants wants to get the ref's attention, waves his flag. They then say what's wrong, and then the ref makes a decision based on what the linesman tells him. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Same same with video assistant. All it takes is someone in Stokely Park to say, I think you've missed something. You may want to look at this again. And then it's Stokely Park's job to get all the video stuff ready for the ref to go across the monitor, look at it, and then make a decision. Same as the linesman tells him. He goes across the monitor, he looks at it. He sees that it's a foul. He sees that it's handball. And then he makes the appropriate decision. Just like we did in the World Cup. Oh, no. The Premier League cannot do that, can they? It worked perfectly in the World Cup. It works perfectly in the Champions League. It works perfectly in lots of leagues around the world. But what do we do? We get someone hundreds of miles away to make a decision based on God knows what. Tell the ref what the decision is. And then the ref tells the crowd. It just seems like a pointless system. Get the refs ref in the way they do. And just one extra thing around that is World Cups and European Championships, FIFA and UEFA do not use our refs. That goes to show how poor they are. They're incompetent. Otherwise, FIFA and UEFA would use our refs. But they see how bad they are, how horrible their decisions are, how it impacts teams. So basically what they do is they don't use them. I think what needs to happen is not VAR go, because the VAR technology is really good. It's amazing. It works well. The people using that technology are incompetent and do not know how to use the technology. And that's my rant over. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to lie. That was a lot shorter than <laughs> I was imagining. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree for the most part. I think it's just... It's taken the beauty of the game kind of away. And I, I was a quite a pro VAR person in the beginning. But saying that, yeah, it just seems to be the refs don't know their position. Like you were saying last time against the Wolves game where yeah. the Mike Dean was completely overridden by the uh, video assistant referee. And yeah. again, yeah, the assistant. So if Mike Dean is it not in the know, then yeah. what's the point? And again, it needs to be shown on screen and all these kind of things. But I think we're really annoyed because it kind of cost us in that game. It cost us a penalty. Schmeichel again saved a great penalty. But we'll get onto that yeah. later as well. And there is, you would expect it to be consistent across the uh, across the board. If it's a handball, it's a handball. If it's in the box, then it's in the box. Um, and one example, for, uh, do you think it was as well the reason why it went to VAR, for example, so the, the Dennis Pratt handball and the Kevin De Bruyne handball, is it because the players played a role in that, do you think? For example, as soon as it hit um, Pratt's hand, about four players went straight over to the ref and just was in his face. What are you doing? Did you not see that? X, Y, Z. Uh, when Madison was taking the free kick, maybe because the pe the players were positioned in a different way, nobody really went up and really questioned <laughs> it afterwards. So think, do you think that had an issue, uh, an impact on the ref actually deciding, OK, let's go to VAR? I think if you go back a season, yes, because everyone used to get around the ref around these decisions. However, he's not making decisions. Someone hundreds of miles away where the players have no contact with is making them video decisions. He's saying to them, that's not handball. De Bruyne put his hands up to protect his face. It's not handball. Um, Dennis Pratt, it is handball. His hands in an unnatural position. So was De Bruyne's. The problem you've got is that same person is not being consistent, which is why the ref should take control. He's the only one that controls that game, the ref. He should be looking at the video assistant going, actually, Kevin De Bruyne's got his hands up. I didn't see that because the free kick was so fast. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so he can then make a decision. Same with Dennis Pratt, the shot. He might not have seen it because of the pace of the ball. He, 
<clears throat> it might have just thought it came off his back or something. But he then goes to the video assistant and he sees that. That's what video assistant refing's all around. The ref controls the game and uses the screens to look at it. The only people that benefit from VAR currently are people like Yuri Tillerman, who's miles off the pace, and no, and nobody talks about how bad he's been again. We'll we'll probably come on to that in a bit, but we've got a, in this show we've got a lot of talking points and players to yeah. talk about. One thing I want to get your opinion on as well, VAR around was because you were at the game. I was watching it from home, so we had different experiences there as well. Was the match again the forty minutes when basically um, what's it, Edison knocked him out clean like it was a Tyson Fury fight? Uh, so what what was your opinion on that from the ground compared to obviously I had a different experience from being here. So looking at a pace, it does look a fifty fifty challenge, but then. You look at it on a screen and it doesn't look a 50-50 challenge. He's completely wiped him out. A bit like the Petr Cech incident a few years ago. And also yeah. the Klinsman incident where Klinsman got completely knocked out. Um, but again, I, I don't know. If, if two players collide like that on a pitch, it's an outside of the box. It's a red card. Two outfield players, yeah. it's a red card all day long. Goalkeepers get so much protection. It's unreal now. Every single time they come with a fist, it's like, well, they were aiming for the ball, not the person. Goalkeepers seem to get more protection than, than anything anymore. And I just think to myself, yes, he got protected, but you look at, use the video assistant referee. I'm, you're getting me off again. Use, <laughs> use the video as it should be used. You look at it and you go, well, actually, he's nowhere near the ball. He's second to the ball. He's collided with him. He's followed through. He's punched him in the chest. That looks serious to me. Um, it's either a yellow card. Yellow card would probably be a bit lenient. To me, it should have been a red card. It should um, have been a card, minimum. Yeah. It yeah, should have a... not been in that so, position. Even so a Man City me... fan will go, that's that's a so card. For, so for me, yellow card, penalty. Yeah. Um, if it's red and a penalty, it's kind of that double jeopardy. You get punished twice. Yeah. So I, I, I think for me, yellow card, penalty, everyone would have been okay with. Yes. yes. Yes, he's come late, he's collided. He's probably not meant to hit him the way he's hit him. He, he, to me, he does look like he's gone for the ball, but he's late. Which, which, if, if a challenge comes in and they're going for the ball, but they're late, it's a yellow. Yeah. Sometimes it's a red, but it's a yellow. But yeah. It, it reminds me why it's not happened. It reminds me of the, the first thing after thinking about this was, remember the second penalty against Sevilla at home, where we, um, and Zonzi took the penalty, yeah. but... Huth came across, um, I can't remember who it was, it wasn't Nasri because he was sent off, and Schmeichel came charging out, missed yeah. the ball, hit the player, and yeah. it was a yellow card and a penalty. And uh, this was a way worse challenge than that, so it should have been um, should have been at least that. Yeah. It should have been at least a yellow, because for the severity, to, uh, um, and obviously the referee cares about the player, um, yeah. and they want to make sure the player's okay before any decisions yeah. made, that is fine. And I, I think everybody in the ground will be okay with that. But overall, you should have then gone to the VAR and gone, what's happened? This is obviously serious because he smashed him in the face and he's ba basically unconscious. So I don't see the, the, the link between the VAR and the referees there as well. So any, any person that gets clattered like that, whether it's in a challenge or the goalkeeper comes out and clatters into them, as, as a ref, you probably might see it in real time. You might not. What I would do is I would then go across and you'd want to know, you go, well, actually, what's happened here? 
walk across to the screen, look at the replay and go, well, actually, yeah. he's clattered him and he's nowhere near the ball. So I need to do something about that because that's an infringement of the rules. Whereas he's not done. Somebody else has made that decision for him. And, and, and sometimes the refs, I don't know, you might feel sorry for them because someone else is making a decision for them that they might not agree with. And they've got to take all the backlash on the ground and yeah. the players and the manager. Yeah. And, yeah. But I sometimes think that our refs are hiding behind VAR and saying, well, it wasn't my decision. Mm. Somebody else made that decision. I don't know what's happening. Whereas the refs need to, the ref association needs to take control of these games and get them to use some video assistant refereeing. If that happened to you and you were refing, you'd walk over to the monitor and look at it because you'd yeah. want to make sure that you made the right decision because it's affecting people's careers. Or it always is on your head. This is, uh, you were refing that game. They're not going to remember Stocky Park or whatever. They're going to remember you were refereeing this game and you made this error in the same yeah. way that he was also refing the Chelsea versus Tottenham game where they were, um, where the Celso clearly stamps on Aspilicueta and then after he's made a huge error there he then comes and makes the same error in the same day you're thinking it's not a good idea but again Neil the Spurs game we're not going to go into much detail on the Spurs game I'll just say this one thing yes it was a clear stamp the ref didn't see the incident and somewhere someone else has said it's not a foul whereas if that ref walks over to that monitor and sees that again he's off red card yeah guarantee it yeah (coughs) <coughs> um, so now we're just going to start ranting all the way through this. I think I was going to say you're starting to cough now, so it's a VAR okay. cough. You're getting ill from VAR. Okay. So what we'll do is we'll move on to the stats and we'll review the game in some more detail. And promise me you can't talk about VAR no, for the rest do. of the. No, okay, no cool. more VAR. I'll just we'll just talk about the game, the players, and the set piece and stuff. So let's have a look at the stats, then we'll get carried on. Right. So Leicester City, Man City. Um, obviously, we lost 1-0. Uh, we had 10 shots to their 18 shots. Uh, we had three on target. Three on target, again, that seems to be the same for the last three games. Uh, Man City had seven on target. Our possession was very low at 32% with their 68%, which I'd probably expect with a team like Man City because they like to pass it around, break teams down. Um, and it was at times yesterday, it was difficult for us to get the ball back. Pass completion rate, ours was low on 76%. Um, but if you've not got the ball... You start to make mistakes, don't you? So probably acceptable. Man City is 89%. That's really high. Corners, we had three to their seven. So there's the stats, Neil. What do you think? Uh, Stats-wise, it looks very one-sided. And the fact that it's not more than 1-0 doesn't really give justice to how well we played. Now, our plan was to take it on the counter and to try and attack them. And as probably people are seeing from the scores below, that we have rated them quite highly because I think they do deserve um, something from the game. We played very, very well. Uh, things like, yeah, pass completion you mentioned before. Possession 32, I was surprised at, but we weren't really playing. And at times when we were playing, it was within 10. So even though it's 32%, it wasn't like the Wolves game where we were playing around the back. We, were, we didn't really do anything for the first 45 minutes. We created yeah. way more chances than we did in compared to the Watford, uh, Watford, the game against Wolves. But overall, yeah, I think we played really, really well. Vardy had his one-on-one chance that he kind of fluffed. He just looks like a man that's not quite on confidence at the moment. But again, with time, it will just pick up to the end of the season. Hopefully he'll be in around the golden boot era area 
as well. So again, I think we did very well. The statistics don't really back that up, but we changed our formation as well. So I think the 3-5-2 worked really, really well. Bearing in mind, this is something that I think we all forget because of the... I'm not going to say the three letters because it might trigger you and start on a rant as well. But it was... um, We didn't have a central defensive midfielder. Now, we had three at the back against probably one of the best attacking teams in Europe at the moment. So, Mares. Uh, Aguero, uh, uh, David Silva, sorry, David Silva, Bernardo Silva, very quality players. And the back three really shone, in my opinion. It was really hard to try and pick a man in the match because Schmeichel had a brilliant game. Fuchs had a brilliant game. Soyuncu and um, Evans had a brilliant game. And I noticed a few times as well, Soyuncu was really pushing into midfield and trying to play that ball through in position of a Hamza Chowdhury. Now, the main problem was is that... <clears throat> You can get the ball, pass it over fine, um, run past a player, which I'm quite surprised at how um, agile he is, especially against a top team like Manchester City. But the balls that come into Tillemans and Madison just seem to be way too hard. And he just kind of hits it with the side of his foot and he doesn't give the midfielders time to control it. But again, that is nitpicking because I think they all had a fantastic game. I think Pratt had an 8 out of 10 game as well. Fantastic. So I, fe- I felt that like all of them were on the same ballpark to have man of the match because, again, the team pressed beautifully as well at times. And that's not really shown by the statistics. So when one player would go like Vardy and then I- um, Ian Asher would, again, had a really good performance. Um, if he would have played the full 90 minutes, he would have been up there for man of the match as well. Um, and they pressed in packs and they pressed together, didn't allow... Kevin De Bruyne on the ball much, didn't allow um, Gundogan on the ball much as well. But I think you want to come on to the ex-Leicester man, Riyad Mahrez, and just want to give praise to how well he played in this game. Yeah, I want to talk about our own team first. So back three played really, really well. For the first time this season, So every single team that we've played has bombed down Chilwell's side. Every single mm-hmm. team has attacked that side. With a, with a back three and a midfield across the middle... They didn't do that yesterday. They couldn't do that. And in the end, you saw Riyad Mahrez, Bernardo Silva running down the centre because going down the wings was not really working with them. Mendy was having a bit of success down the right-hand side, which or down their left-hand side, which he will do because Ricardo Pereira always pushes that far forward. Um, but again, he wasn't getting any crosses in. They were being blocked. Um, and it was working really well. And it's the first time this season I've seen this set up like that and play really well together as a unit. Um, Pratt, amazing again. He seemed to fill that role really, really well. Madison, I don't, he just drifts in and out of games lately. Um, He takes a free kick here and there, but doesn't really do much on the ball for me yesterday. Yuri Tillemans didn't show up again. I don't know what's happened to him. The same happened at Monaco. He had three amazing months and then he plummeted. Same for us. He's just not up to speed. I, I think it might be squad depth. I'm not sure if I'm honest. Um, Pratt looked a bit disappointed when he got pulled off. Um, and I think if you're playing in midfield and you see someone like Yuri Tillemans, who's off the pace, doesn't seem to be playing that well, and you get pulled off, it's a little bit disheartening, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, back three, Fuchs amazing. Evans, absolutely outstanding. Everything that came to him, he dealt with. Um his passing's great. His aerial ability's great. Uh, Suncho, again, it was good to see him going forward. I just wish he'd learned 
how to wait a pass. Um, yeah. Because every one of his passes seems to come at pace and power. And every, every footballer in the world finds that difficult to control and do a pace. Um, so, yeah, I think they're all coming on a better. Michael had one of his better games, I thought. He lost possession once where he threw it out, which I thought we might get punished for. But he played really, really well as well. Back three were great. Midfield five. Chilwell started off quite well. Second off, he might have got tired. He was losing the ball a lot. Misplaced passes. Um, Ricardo Pereira, another great game. Uh, Vardy had his chance in November. He'd have buried that. Picked the ball out. Let's get yeah. back. Um, he's got no confidence. He's not scored in 2020. Um, yeah. and, that, and that's probably on his mind. Nacho went off injured. Thought Barnes came on and did a job. A uh, bit surprised that Perez didn't come on when Nacho went off because that's kind of his role. Second striker. Um, I, th- I think they wanted to bring in and stretch the game for pace. And yeah. Perez, if you're looking at Perez versus Barnes, Perez, um, Barnes has got the pace to really stretch the teams. Yeah. Um, and that's why I thought it was the right substitution to make Barnes over Perez. Because at times, Barnes was unplayable, um, yeah. really getting past. Again, that final pass just needs that yeah. little bit of work. But as a 21, 22-year-old, he's going to just get better better with time. And he's been yeah. on a great run of form recently as well. Uh, but yeah, I think Nacho, again, had probably one of the best games I've ever seen from him. The way he was playing the ball out, the way he was supporting as a second striker, which I didn't know that he could do as much. Um, I thought he would just be the guy that hangs around the main area. We've said his, we've said before on this show how his link-up with Perez has been really, really good. But his link-up in that first half was fantastic. And if he would have played second half, potentially would have got some out of the game as well. It was just that horrible challenge that I think they just thought, listen, it's not worth it. Give him a rest. Bring somebody else on yeah. in the same position. But I think overall, yeah, it was a very, very good performance. Could you see us playing this three-five-two against a top six squad? So top six team again, or would you think it's just for example, or do you think it will be just an option because of the CDM injury, CDM issues? Um, if you kind of take a step back and say, does three-five-two work in the Premier League? Yes, it does. Wolves use it a lot. Mm-hmm. It breaks teams down. You're very, you're very, you're very kind of at the back. You compact, um, but your midfield five, the, the the oldest thing in in football has always been: if you stop the supply, they will not score. Mm-hmm. So Wolves do that. They have a five across the midfield, and it works really, really well. And yesterday for us, it works really, really well. If you can use that formation well, it will work for us. It's amazing for counter attacking. It's amazing for crossing the ball in for scoring. And it also sets you up defensively. For me, it's a great thing. I, 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 Fuchs played amazingly well, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that's why Bennett was brought in, to play that back three. And, and I think it's a great thing for us to do. Then you're not... I, I think Rogers knows that he's too reliant on Ndidi. Yes. And, and, and Ndidi's not superhuman. He's been injured again. Um, he knows that Chowdhury's young. He'll make rash decisions. But, but even in that Pratt role, you can put Entity into that role. You can put Chowdhury into that role. You can put anybody into that role. And the same with Tillemans, you can put Pratt in that role. You can put Matty James came on yesterday. You can put him in that role. Um, there's a few more midfielders we can put in that role. I think once we get that squad in depth, that three-five-two becomes a very, very powerful weapon. Yes, and I think we've got the fullbacks to be able to play going yeah. forward. That's that's the main issue with the three-five-two. It depends on how much... Look at when Chelsea won the league 
a couple of years back where, when they had Moses and Alonso either side bombing up and down their wings and it relies on them playing really, really well and covering a lot of the ground, which we know they can do for both Chilwell and Pereira, being, Pereira being one of the best defense, best fullbacks in the league at the moment. And yeah, we've definitely got that. I think one thing I wanted to mention as well, we take it back a year ago because it's been about a year since Rogers has been in charge now. It's, it's a year on Wednesday. Yes, so it's going to be the closest to this. So yeah. how do you think the team has developed over that time? And since since he's come in, how much effect do you think he's made? For example, we've come from, I think we're about sixth position up to third now. We've changed the way we play. And also, one huge criticism about um, Leicester City over the years has been, we've got no plan B. Now, whether they talk about strikers, but we've just got one way of playing, which is a 4-4-2, hit him on the counter. Now he's changed it. So we've got 4-1-4-1. Now we've got 3-5-2. We've played 4-3-3 before. We've got different ways of playing with a different squad. So how do you, yeah, how do you, other I've kind of changed subject there a little bit, but have we got a plan B now that we can change in a game and really hurt a team where they can't really expect what we're going to do? I think... I've not seen us change formation in a game yet. We've we've gone with a game plan for a game and stuck with it. Um, and I think that's what Rogers does. He gets a game plan. Let's stick with it. We know what their weaknesses are. Let's draw their weaknesses are and score against them. But I think we have got different ways to set up, and that is a good thing. Like yesterday, we went three five two because we know that Man City's midfield is is probably one of the best in Europe. They know that Kevin De Bruyne on his day will destroy any single midfield and any single defence he comes up against. But if you can try and stop that, put some players around him, hustle him off the ball a bit, then it disrupts them. And that's what they did yesterday. The midfield disrupted their midfield. And nothing happens of it. Aguero, only shot he had inside the box was the penalty. Because his supply is dead. And, mm. and, and that's what you need to do. And then... It worked really well. And then there was one lapse. Real Mahrez gets the ball in this, on the centre center circle and he destroys us. Ball to Jesus, goal. The one person that we know about inside out is Riyad Mahrez. Yeah. He is the most talented player I have seen in a Leicester shirt. We know what he does. He always cuts inside on his left foot. It's what he's always done. You know what he's going to do. And even the run he went on, he went towards the left-hand side. That's where he goes towards. And I, ju- I just think we had one lapse in midfield and defence, and they scored from it. And, but, and that, to Man City, is a huge thing. Yeah, and I think that's just what you get with a world-class team. You'd give them one little sniff of an opportunity, and they'll kill you for it. And that's why we lost the game. Um, so we can't be too disappointed, but at the same time... That could have been Bernardo Silva. That could have been Kevin De Bruyne. That could have been any single person of their midfield or even a Carl Walker or a Mendy. Because they've got so much strength and depth, it could have been anybody doing the exact same run, passing that ball into Jesus. And it was, yeah, Fuchs got pulled out of position for that. So I know we've said he had a very, very good game. And I was tempted to point him as man of the match because the other, the other players have actually played games. He was the only player that hasn't played many games but when he's come in he's looked fit he's looked sharp he knows what to do and yes he played against Newcastle but Newcastle to Man City is a different literally different leagues at the moment Um, and it was it was fantastic to see how we worked with that system and I think 
he helped cut off the supply system. Again, I what was great as well, Chilwell will be mentioned as, oh, he didn't have a great game. I think compared to the game that he had two months ago, this was a much, much better game. It does help having Fuchs as that cover to kind of tell him what to do, where to yeah. go. But also... I think he's learned his lessons a little bit. He's gonna get. He's gonna kind of get there over time, but the way he was playing, I think, was was pretty awesome. To be honest, uh, at times going forward, he kind of made mistakes, but I'd rather him make mistake going forward than make mistakes defensively. And again, yes, it was a time where Morris came on the inside because he was having no, um, not really much opportunities down that outside leg. And I know I've watched match of the day, and they said Chilwell was poor. I've seen way much, much more poor performances than this one. Um, this has been one of the best. I personally think, I think the first half he played okay. Second half, there was, there was one time where he got the ball, he ran down the wing and ran out of space and, and ran the ball off. He didn't know where yeah. the sideline was. He missed the ball. If you, there's them silly mistakes, which are not the chill world that played last season. Mm. And with Chilwell, I personally believe that he has had his head turned and he will be gone in the summer. I think he will to go Chelsea. to Chelsea. Um, there's been loads of reports about us getting loads of left-backs in. So I, I think our scouting unit is looking for left-backs because I think they know that he's probably on his way. Um, and the way he's played this season, his head's not really been in it, if I'm honest. Mm. If you compare him this season to last season... His head just doesn't look in it. I guess so. I guess so. So, I don't know. I still think he had a decentish performance um, overall. But uh, there's me being the eternal optimist as well at the same time. But, no, I think... But you compared that compared to the time when he was one-on-one with um, Mares for the entire game uh, against Man, Man City at, at home. And it, it was a different story. But overall, I thought they did really well. We yeah. deserve something from the game, and overall, yeah, I think, yeah, I'll, over to you. I think I think you're totally right with that. Um, when we played Man City away, Red Mares absolutely annihilated Ben Chilwell down that side. Um, he was turning him inside out every single way he could, uh, and Ben Chilwell was getting nowhere near the ball. And I think Rodgers saw that, and he thought, okay, then let's play with the back three, which means Chilwell's got lots of cover. So if Mares wins down that wing, that's fine. Let's put Fuchs there. Fuchs will know Mara's inside yes. out. Play yes. with him for years. He'll know him inside out. He'll know that he's going to turn. He knows he's going to come onto his left-hand side. And Fuchs dealt with it. And, and one thing that I did like about yesterday is that over the last 12 months, when was the last time Fuchs had a bad game? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I've seen him tired. I've seen him a little bit off the, off the pace, but not, no, no. Not below a 6 out of 10, if not a 7. Yeah, he comes in when he's asked to come in and he gets 7s, 8s, near enough man of the match performances every time he plays. That's what you want from a professional, someone that comes in and does that job. A bit worried that he might go end of season because I know that his family live in New York. Um, so that must be difficult for him. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hold it against him if he, if he left and went to America to be with his family, if I'm honest. No, I, I get that at the same time, but I would like to see him here for at least another year. I think when he gets to 36, then he'll then he'll make his decision. But I think also, if you look at the interviews and stuff that he's done, he is really enjoying his time at Leicester City. Um, yeah. Otherwise, he wouldn't have renewed that contract. Him and um, Danny Simpson were on the same position where, look, you're not getting much game time, X, Y, Z. 
he decides to renew his contract and uh, Danny Sipser decides to leave. But he's probably looking him and like all Brighton and players that are part of the title winning season but aren't really in the squad as much this season yeah. are probably looking at players like uh, Andy King, Danny Drinkwater, uh, uh, Danny Simpson, Shinji yeah. Okazaki that have all left and they've not gone on to do better things. So Riyad Mahrez being the Riyad Mahrez and Angola Kante being the only exceptions. So he's yeah. probably weighing up them facts in his head as well. Because if he goes somewhere else, he'll do fantastically football-wise. But he's probably saying, "Why would I want to go anywhere else?" So let's hope he gets another year. I think Brendan Rodgers really rates him as well. Yeah. But for the squad next year. But again, this has been a bit of a blip. But overall, I'm happy with the point. Let's hope that I think. They said we can secure places by, like, I think the end of March or something. We can secure a Champions League place, I think. But if we could get that down, I think that's all that matters. And hopefully we can keep this third spot. Okay. Could not agree with you more. Um, So we're back next Sunday as well. So we'll speak to you all then. Thanks, Neil. Cheers, James. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.